good, everybody? This is episode 30 of the Niners Nation Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, as he is every Thursday, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Not a whole lot. In the doldrums of the offseason prior to the draft and free agency. Is that really how you want to kick off the Jeff Wilson Jr. edition of the Gold Standard Podcast? Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean... <laughs> I guess you you could argue he's kind of the doldrums because you know what you're getting when he comes in. I mean, you could <laughs> you could call it the doldrums, but like it's already starting. Golden Tate got cut today. Jared Cook got cut today. There's rumors about Trent Brown possibly being traded. Like it is starting because we are less than two weeks away from the start of the new league year. I think Diana Rossini of ESPN had a tweet from one league executive who said that next week is going to be a bloodbath with just guys getting cut, as you mentioned months ago, Levin, that it, there is going to be a flood of free agents on the market, a lot of veteran guys especially, that are not going to be able to sign for big contracts. I think we're going to start to see that next week. Yeah, it's literally the first thought I had when I heard there was going to be a lower cap due to the COVID loss of revenue. Like, first thought was, okay, that off season is going to be a season where there are bargains because people are going to have to make cuts that they don't want to make just to get under the cap. And at the same time, you're going to have very few teams with the cap room to give the type of deals that these players are quite honestly deserving of. So you're going to see, I think, a lot of short-term deals where teams are, or sorry, where players are forced to take a short term because they look at it as play one year for just random example, play one year for $10 million and then get my contract the next year when the cap goes back up for $15 million a year rather than sign a contract now that locks me in for $10 million, might give me more stability because you get a multi-year deal, so there's a risk to injury. But I think a lot of players are willing to take that risk, kind of bet on themselves because that's what they've been doing their entire lives. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. You were spot on. I give you full credit. I want to remind you before we dive into today's episode to rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. How about this one from EDC138? Love all the pods, different perspectives and voices, good analysis, and more guests recently, too, it seems. So there you go. That is one satisfied, I don't want to say customer because it's free, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you could still be a customer and be free. Well, it could still be. If you want to send us money, like, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> Feel free. Yeah, uh, make sure to send it to my address. (laughs) (laughs) So again, please do subscribe. We do appreciate it. A couple of the topics we want to get into today. There was a tweet that we both saw that really like kind of stunned us a little bit about how many guys from the 2019 team, at least starters, are going to be gone and what that means for the team going forward. We're going to get into that. There was some Weston Richburg news today that wasn't entirely surprising, but it just illustrates, I think, something with the 49ers that has been kind of an issue with the Lynch and Shanahan regime. So we'll get into that for you as well. And uh, my old buddy Chris Sims had some quarterback rankings today of the incoming rookies that sort of set Twitter on fire. Um, I kind of took it on myself to defend him a little bit. I want to get your opinion on his rankings Uh, So we'll get into all of that today. But let's start with the tweet because we both saw it and I texted it to you and you were all over it. You had said that it was something that you had seen and that you want to respond to. And I want to give credit where credit is due. 
because I did not come up with this. This was from at the MMQBL. I don't know who that is, but (laughs) they pointed out how many starters from the 2019 team are going to be on the week one roster. They are counting 13, Levin. I don't think it's going to even be that much. Uh, no, probably not. And I mean, the 2019 season is kind of it's kind of difficult to put an exact number on how many starters you would consider being gone. Because would you consider Quan Alexander a starter? He was at the start of the season. Then he got hurt, and he sort of kind of made it back in the playoffs, but not really. Like, wasn't it the same player? So, do you consider him a starter? Yeah, I would count him the starter. Like, let me. Yeah. He actually tweeted out a picture. I assume that that's the one that they were going off of. I don't know if it's a, a man or woman, so I won't say. But Let's start. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, to be determined. <laughs> well, but I mean, if you had to like be as generous as possible for the sake of this exercise. Right. So let's say he's coming back. Yeah. Okay. Tevin Coleman. Nope. No. Kyle Juszczyk. Well, as generous, then yes. Wow. That's really generous. You're grading like a gym teacher. That's how generous you are. <laughs> All right. You're going to put juice at two. Debo. Yep. Emmanuel Sanders, obviously, we know that. Although, he may be coming back, which is something I wanted to ask you about later. But uh, so he's gone. George Kittle. Yep. Justin School at left tackle. He'll be on the roster, but he's not the starter. Yeah, let's just count it for on the roster. Uh, Okay, Lakin Tomlinson. Yep, he'll be back. Weston Richburg. Nope, he had surgery. No timetable to return for him. They save a bunch of money if they cut him, especially if they cut him with the post-June 2nd designation. He's definitely gone, right? Yeah. I mean, I I would bet his career is probably over. Michael Person. Nope. Mike McGlinchey, everyone's favorite lineman. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Bosa. Yeah. DJ Jones. Nope. DeForest Buckner. Nope. Eric Armstead. Yep. Okay, so now we're up to nine. Quan. Nope. Fred Warner. Yep. Dre Greenlaw. Yep. Richard Sherman. Nope. Emmanuel Mosley. Nope. Well, yes. Probably. I think Mosley be generously, bad. yes. Jaquiski Tart. Mm, I'm gonna say no. And Jimmy Ward. Yes. So that's thirteen being as as generous as possible. But I wouldn't say that's the starting defense. I mean, that that's the base defense, so that's what they count as starting. But the reality is the Niners play something like 70% of the time in nickel, which would swap out DJ Jones and insert D Ford and also swap out a linebacker and insert uh, Quan Williams. And both of those are probably no's. Quan Williams and D Ford are probably no's. So the number stays the same. Because they are not going to be well, back. Yeah, I guess that, <laughs> that that's true. But I think those are bigger names. Yeah, in my opinion, like those are bigger keys and bigger part of why the Niners won in 2019. I don't think Juice is going to be back. So to me, I take him off because I think he wants to be on the East Coast. I think the Jets are going to pay him closer to what he's making with the 49ers now. Um, Tart is really interesting to me because I don't think he's going to be a guy that gets a huge offer. No. So he may be back. Like they may be able to scoop him up for for their price. He's somebody that I think is going to sit out there 
and teams will settle on him if they don't get what they want early in free agency and in the draft. I don't think he's going to be somebody that signs early. I think he's somebody that's going to be sitting there in like June, July and ends up signing. And it could be the Niners. I mean, it depends on how things fall. I think the Niners would probably prefer to move on, but who knows? So out of 22 starters, we generously have 13 returning. What does that say to you about the where the 2019 team was compared to what we're going to see in 2021 in terms of chances to win a Super Bowl? That, to me, kind of blows a huge hole in the Jimmy Stans point of view. You know, they think, hey, as long as Jimmy's healthy, we will be a winner and we made a Super Bowl with him. So we were that close to winning a Super Bowl. We just need Jimmy to be healthy. Well, no, Jimmy got an absolutely dominant defense that was historically good in the secondary, and that entire secondary, other than Jimmy Ward, could very well be new. You add in the fact that who's the second pass rusher? You're, you lost D Ford. There's no answer to that right now. And if you say Kerry Hyder, they re-sign him. Okay, Kerry Hyder's not D Ford, so... Not even close. He he he's an average. I would say Kerry Hyder's an average defensive end. He he's somebody that you prefer not to pay. Put it that way, which is why yeah. I'm not sure he comes back. And then you lost to Forrest Buckner in the center. Kinlaw, you know, I think he showed a lot of promise as a rookie. I'm a fan of his, but he's not DeForest Buckner. And quite honestly, probably will never reach that level because DeForest Buckner is an All Pro level defensive tackle. And then you, you, you're you pretty much getting an entire new secondary. You had an all-pro Richard Sherman in 2019. You lost that as well. You lost a bunch of star power and top-level talent on that defense. And that defense is what carried the 49ers, both in the regular season and especially in the playoffs. You take that away, that means your offense has to be the difference maker because the defense is probably going to be good but not that great, not going to be able to win games like they did in 2019. The offense could be a difference maker if they have a quarterback who can be a difference maker. I don't think Jimmy is a difference maker. I don't think he's a terrible quarterback. I've said before, I think he's an average starter. Problem is, you now need a difference maker at quarterback. So I think it's worth the roll of the dice. I think a lot of fans out there are under this assumption that as long as Jimmy's healthy, the Niners will be just as good as 2019 and have a really good shot at winning the Super Bowl. That's just not the case, and that's why the Niners kind of have to take a roll of the dice to try to get the difference maker that will unlock what this offense could be with a George Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo. I think there is definitely a prevailing narrative out there that as long as Jimmy plays 16 games and they don't have this massive flood of injuries like they had last year, that they're going to run it back. And I agree with you. I think that that is incorrect. That is just not where the roster is right now. Do you think that Kyle and Jimmy believe that they are just a healthy season away? Or do you think that they recognize that this is not a Super Bowl or bust kind of a team? Jimmy, uh, I couldn't say. I, I Jimmy is such a quiet person. Like You don't get a good grasp of what his real personality is like. Kyle, do I think he thinks that? Yeah, because he's arrogant like that. Doesn't mean that in the back of his mind he knows the team's not the same, but he's arrogant enough to think, no, I'm going to make the right calls at the right time and we're going to win. As long as I have somebody who's capable of actually making throws, you know, is I don't want to put the guy down, but as long as he's not Nick Mullins, 
I will be able to win the games. Like he has that arrogant streak in him. So do I think he believes that? Yes, which is the worry, I think, for a lot of people who are not that big on Jimmy, is that Kyle's going to believe that he can just run it back. Well, okay, but if that's the case, then if you believe it's a Super Bowl or bust thing, then you're not, you're going all out to re-sign Trent Williams. You are not trading up for a quarterback. I imagine you're using the 12th pick on an edge rusher, right? Or maybe uh, a cornerback. That's also possible. I think either one of those. A trade down. I think that would be, if they think that Jimmy is good enough, they're going to trade down to get more early picks to try to fill some of these holes. So that's it. I feel like we're going to find out pretty quickly and pretty clearly, I should say, where they think this team is. Because to me, I mean, you could almost make the argument that if they did get a quarterback at 12 or even trade up, that they don't think that this is a Super Bowl year, right? Because nobody, nobody, no rookie quarterback comes in and wins a Super Bowl. I I think a lot of this could hinge on Trent Williams. And they're going to know where Trent is, at least mindset wise. You know, he might not have signed prior to the draft, but probably will be. And they'll at least know whether or not it's likely they can sign him. I think if they cannot sign him, that makes them more likely to trade up. And it's not just because they think, well, okay, we can't win a Super Bowl. If they can't re-sign Trent Williams, they're not a Super Bowl contender. Unless one thing happens, and that would be unprecedented. They get a rookie quarterback who is ridiculously, ridiculously good, rookie of the year good, and just dominates, and the team suddenly has that difference maker at a quarterback. That would be their only chance if Trent Williams doesn't sign. And I think that is a big, like I said, that's kind of like the hinge. That That is the teetering point on the seesaw where if Trent Williams doesn't re-sign, this is not a Super Bowl contending roster, period. So you might as well go try to get the difference maker because Jimmy's not going to be good enough to elevate and make up for a terrible offensive line if Trent Williams is not on it. How brilliant does it look by Trent Williams to get that assurance by the 49ers that they are not going to franchise tag him? The numbers came out. The tag for an offensive lineman is $13.6 million. And everything that I've heard, Levin, I don't know about you, is that once Trent Williams does hit the open market, he's looking at probably at least $20 million a year. So, I mean, that is a brilliant move by him to, to make sure he doesn't get tagged by the Niners. Yeah, and I I think he is in the DeForest Buckner situation. The Niners are probably willing to pay him big money close to the top. They might not quite go over $20 million, but the real key factor is is how is the structure of the contract going to be. DeForest Buckner ended up being traded because he was unwilling to basically backload his contract. He was unwilling to give them early years where he was paid at a discounted rate in order to make everybody fit onto the roster. If Trent Williams is unwilling to do that, which if I'm Trent Williams, if I'm being honest, if I'm Trent Williams, I want a front-loaded contract because he's older, he's getting up there, he's had injury scares. I mean, he's had flat-out career-threatening injuries with, with some of the things that happened in Washington. So if I'm him, I want my money up front because you don't know what the future holds. And too many teams are willing to take a dead cap hit to get out of a player. So... I want my money up front. And if he wants his money up front, the Niners can't afford him. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, there are so many. I think John Lynch is really going to have to kind of put on his salesman hat if they're going to do a lot of the things they want to do. You've got to get Trent to structure it in a way that where you can survive this lower cap in 2021. You know, 
Is there a way where you could finesse Kwan Williams into staying? I think he's a guy who's probably gone. I mean, he's from New Jersey. Robert Sala is definitely going to want him. Like if she, if Lynch is going to work this thing here, he's really going to have to do some convincing on a lot of different fronts, and he's going to have to get answers on on these guys pretty quickly because it's going to dictate, you know, what kind of a path the Niners take in free agency in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I will say if Trent Williams is not signed, one thing that I would think becomes more likely is that the Niners try to get Darnold. He's not a rookie, but he does have high upside. And what that does is that it frees up the 12th pick because they're not going to trade the 12th pick for Darnold. It frees up that 12th pick to address the left tackle, to get a tackle at the top of the draft. That I could see happening as well if Trent Williams doesn't re-sign for one reason or another. But I got to be honest, if I'm in Trent Williams' shoes right now, depending on what teams come calling, and he is one of those players that is truly good enough that will probably have normal contracts offered to him despite the lower salary cap. You know, that's kind of how I put it on Twitter, that it's a lot like Major League Baseball, I think. Major League Baseball, the true stars, top-level talents, have still gotten those massive deals right away in free agency a lot of times. But it's all the other guys, the guys that are above-average starters or clear-cut starters, but just not they're not difference-makers they don't get contracts and they end up sitting and sitting and sitting until spring training comes. And then suddenly they kind of settle on taking less money. That's been the trend in major league baseball. And I think this off is going to be the same. Trent Williams is a true star level talent. So it's going to be hard for the Niners. But if I'm in Trent Williams shoes, if I have another contender come calling somebody that is like a true contender, I'm probably going with them. The Niners are not as good as I think a lot of fans think they are. And we just kind of talked about it with the amount of starters that are gone. You know, the quarterback situation is a big problem for me if I'm in Trent Williams' shoes. I don't want to sit around and have a rookie come in. But at the same time, if Trent Williams doesn't see Jimmy Garoppolo as a true difference maker, which, by the way, the season that he played with Jimmy Garoppolo was a really bad season for Jimmy Garoppolo. So he might not think that then the Niners aren't really a contender in his, in his mindset if he doesn't think Jimmy is it. So if I'm him, there, there would be more attractive teams out there. It's just a matter of if one comes calling. That's a good point that I didn't mention. You know, Lynch is going to have to do a sales job, and we're going to find out what the 49ers think of their Super Bowl window. But then there's the flip side of that, which is, do the players agree with that? Maybe they realize, look, we, we're further away than, than I thought. And they're not one of those elite teams in the NFC that is one step away, regardless of whatever that you think that step might be. So that would be another interesting aspect of this, too, is how are the 49ers viewed by the players? Like Matt Stafford gets traded to the Rams and supposedly there's all these players texting him saying, hey, we want to come join you. We don't know if the 49ers are seen kind of in that same light. I think we'll find out. But, you know, I think there is an equal argument to be made on both sides. You know, I I think there's a very clear sales pitch that I would make to Trent Williams if I was John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan, and that is look at the situation you just left. If you go to a new team, you don't know the situation. You're not going to know how much they truly have your back, how much they truly believe in you. We believed in you enough that even though you sat out a year, we traded draft picks for you and were willing to pay you 
big money to come back and you've been in this locker room, you've been around this team, you know we believe in you, you know that we have your back, and you know the type of atmosphere we have in that locker room, which Trent Williams has talked about, that it was a lot of fun and he enjoyed playing football again. That's the sales pitch I would make to him is that out there is an unknown and you might fall into a situation where football is not fun again. It's an interesting point. And, you know, you might say to him, yes, you, you're going to make less money because we just can't pay you as much as some of these other teams. But is that security, knowing what you're dealing with, how much is that worth to you? Is that worth a million to you, two million, whatever, you know, whatever that difference in the in the contract offers might be? And it's it's not a crazy question to ask, because I agree, especially when you're up there in age like Trent Williams is, that stuff becomes more important to you. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan, it's probably the biggest factor here. Trent Williams knows the system. He enjoyed the system and he was excited to come be in the system again when he got traded. He gets to stay, you know, out, like I said, out there, the chances of him being able to go to a system, go to a team that is a contender and he doesn't have to learn a whole new blocking scheme or do other things that he doesn't have to do now might not exist in this system. He gets to go out and run and blow up DBs. That's not a very normal system. A lot of systems don't allow their tackles to get out there and go after DBs. That would be a selling point too. <laughs> Stick with us and we'll let you we'll let you mop up some <laughs> hapless defensive back who's in the middle of nowhere and just sees this mountain of a man running at him. Um okay, part of the reason the Niners have cap issues is because of the contract, like you've mentioned, of D Ford and Weston Richburg. Um Kyle Posey of Niners Nation tweeted out something earlier that I thought was a fair question and I wanted to get your take on. And he wrote what is a move the 49ers have made during the Shanahan Lynch tenure that looks bad now that you would do over again without hindsight? It's an interesting question because it introduces opinion on both sides of the matter. What looks bad now is a matter of opinion and willing to do it over again, despite what happened is a matter of opinion to me. I would do the Jimmy Garoppolo. Some people think that was a bad deal because of the injuries and everything. I think in hindsight, you got a Super Bowl run out of it. And if not for the injuries, you probably wouldn't be looking to move on from a quarterback. And to me, it was a fair deal that even in hindsight, I would probably do again. No, I think Kyle is saying without knowing how it turned out. Mm. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is the one I would still do. Like, I don't have a problem with that deal when it happened or now. The de- the trade or the contract? <laughs> that one's tougher. I would still say both. The contract looks bad, but, I mean, in reality, it was quickly outpaced. People get stuck on the, well, they, he got paid the biggest contract ever. Yeah, and, like, a year later, it was, like, sixth best. Like, <laughs> it's not really that big of a contract and they yeah. purposely devised the out that they could be exercising this year like it was not a bad deal was it a a big contract yes but what i, I can't remember where it's at now i think it's something like 10th highest paid now like it's been passed by so many and they devised an out so that if jimmy was ended up not being the real deal they could get out of it without destroying their cap and 
I, I don't think that was a bad deal at the time or now. Yeah, I have to agree. Like, the first of all, every team in the league that needed a quarterback would have made it the trade for just one second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. There are people that were saying if they traded Jimmy G the offseason before that they would have gotten at least a first round pick. Like, so I don't I don't criticize them for the trade at all. Then Jimmy comes in and he plays really well those first five games. I, I don't. Yeah, I think that the contract like I get it. I agree with you. They signed him to a deal, but they gave themselves an escape hatch, and it hasn't, to me, it hasn't hamstrung this team. The contract hasn't. His play has, but his contract hasn't. But if I had to pick one move I think that I would do again, and I hate to agree with Kyle here, but I think it's the D Ford move. I love that they recognized they had a plan for how they wanted to build the team, and they wanted to attack with four defensive linemen or four pass rushers, let's say. and so. They went out and they got D Ford and they knew he had injury history and they knew that it was going to cost them money and assets, but they stuck true to the process and it worked by the way. Like when he was on the field, they were insane. The, the pass rush was unbelievable. It led to a historically good defense. Now I think they were counting on him playing more than 22% of the snaps. <laughs> like they, they didn't think it was going to be that bad, but to me, I get that risk. I totally get it. Like it made sense to me. The process seemed good there. So if I had to pick that one, I, I think I would go with the D Ford move. You know, I don't have a problem with any of the big money moves the Niners have made individually. I don't have a problem with Taking the risk on D Ford, I think it was a worthwhile gamble to make at the time. I don't have a problem signing Western Richburg, even though he had been injured. He was coming off an injury-prone year. He was actually, I think, if I remember correctly, had been moved to guard or something like that prior uh, the season before. I don't have a problem with that signing. Like The problem I have is when you add them all together. They're taking too many of those risks. Quan Alexander was coming off a knee injury. They paid him biggest money ever to a linebacker. Western Richburg, like I just said, you had Jimmy with his injury issues. They gave him a huge deal after five games, and you have the D4 deal. All four of those were massive deals that they took big gambles on, and there were gambles due to injury. You can't do that more than once or twice, and that's my issue. But individually, I think each one of those moves individually were worthwhile. You just can't make too many like that, and that's their problem. Yeah, you're not going to roll that many sevens and have everything work out the way you'd hoped. Uh, and the the Quan Alexander thing is bad, too, because they had to sign Quan because Reuben Foster was a flop. But the problem was they were gambling on Reuben Foster because he had injury history and he couldn't even make it to the combine without getting kicked out. So, like, they were doubly rolling the dice on him and they traded back into the first round to get him. So, you know, you could say, well, they only signed Quan because of Reuben Foster, but they were still risking plenty with drafting him so either way that was sort of a bad decision yeah I, th- there are times to take gambles but there are also times to take safe bets and you know one of the things i struggle with most is people respond to this injury prone thing there's people out there that think you shouldn't care about injuries because injury prone is not a real thing anybody could get injured at any time yes it's true anybody could get injured at any time but it's also true there are certain players that are constantly hurt Injury prone, even though doctors haven't been quite able to figure out exactly why it happens, is a thing. There are reasons why people are constantly hurt over and over again. It just, it is what it is. I don't know if it's a bone density thing, which is something I would find fascinating. What is their bone density? 
Like, are these injury-prone players have, you know, worse bone density or what exactly it is? Eventually, they'll figure it out. But I don't think there's any denying that injury-prone really does exist. And I hate when people come with the thing, anybody could get injured at any time. It's football. Yeah, because it's it's also not just about one injury. If it was just one injury, yeah, anybody could get hurt at any time. It's the guys that get hurt, come back, get hurt again, pl- try to play through it, aren't that good. Like, there are, and I agree with you, we don't know why, but the facts are the facts. And certain players are hurt more than other players. Like, you cannot dispute that. And the reason, while it would be nice to know, doesn't really matter. Like, all you need to know is this dude gets hurt all the time, and that's hurting the team. And that's, it doesn't, you don't need to go any further than that. Yeah. I mean, they do know that a lot of the injuries out there, especially sprains and things like that, once you have one, you're more likely to have another because the tendons are forever weakened. Now you could come back and never have an injury again. That doesn't mean that that tendon isn't permanently weakened, you know, Ankle sprains especially are, are one of the things. Same with hamstrings. Once you have a slight tear of a hamstring, it's more likely to tear. Things don't just magically repair themselves 100%. There are things that will scar over and you have scar tissue, which makes it more likely to re-injure itself. Oh, man. I, I don't even remember. What was the number of, of high ankle sprains this past season? I think everybody on the team had one, for God's sakes. It was unbelievable. So, yeah, the injury thing, I agree, it's real. And and people that try to defend it, like, you're just not objectively looking at the reality of the situation. All right, let's take a break, Levin, because after the break, my old buddy Chris Sims decided that he was going to just take a match and throw it on NFL Twitter (laughs) on Wednesday because he released his quarterback rankings for the incoming rookies. And let's just say a lot of people were up at arms. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to the Niners Nation Gold Standard Podcast. Okay, Levin, let's get to it. The Chris Sims incoming quarterback rankings are out. I don't think you're going to be happy. Have you seen these, first of all? Yes, I've seen them. Who hasn't? If you've loaded Twitter and you follow any NFL account, you've seen them today. So if you haven't had the chance to do that yet, I will enlighten you. Number one is not Trevor Lawrence. It is Zach Wilson from BYU. Number two is Trevor Lawrence. Number three is Mac Jones of Alabama. Number four is Kellen Mond of Texas A&M. Number five, Justin Fields of Ohio State. And number six is Trey Lance, Levin. I, you know this about me. I have worked with Chris Sims for years. I can tell you he is not doing this just for clicks. I swear to God, I know this man personally. That's just not how he operates. But it is the most unique quarterback rankings I've seen so far. There's some credence to put with it. I mean, this is a guy that put Lamar Jackson number one in his year. So he does have a history of being right. But that doesn't mean he he can't be wrong. And it doesn't mean he hasn't been wrong on some things in the past. Like, it is what it is. It's draft stuff. He is the most right most often, I would say, in recent years when it comes to quarterback specifically. I don't have actually a problem with somebody other than Trevor Lawrence being number one. I I would certainly take Trevor Lawrence number one, but I do think that there's there were cracks shown in him this past year. Like he he was not completely dominant like he had been, and sometimes I do wonder. I don't know him personally. It would be just a question that I would want to try to answer in draft prep. 
sometimes he seems like he's just going through the motions and there's not a true dedication there because he's always been this super hyped person where everything just kind of came to him. That doesn't mean he's not an incredibly hard worker. I don't know because I've never met the guy, obviously. But I don't have a problem with him not being number one. I would question if he wasn't number two. But I think the real problem I have is the number four. Kellen Mon, come on. That that's the one that I just I don't having him over uh Fields and Lance, uh, I just don't get that one. Like Mond is probably a second round pick. Might even be third. Like I, I don't get that one at all. I can at least see a reason for everything else on that list. The one to me that he seemed least kind of behind was Lance at six. His main criticism of Lance was was that he was raw because he hasn't played that much. He said there's first round talent and traits, but he just hasn't had the the flat out reps, which is true. I mean, the, he played one game this past season. Um, the Mac Jones and Kellen Mond are interesting because a lot of people said that Mac Jones is exactly the kind of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wants. And I know that's gotten a lot of people mad because he's the least mobile of all the guys that are in that top six. And, and 49ers Twitter has been, you know, just yearning for a mobile quarterback. But I had to say, like, I started watching Mac Jones highlights after I heard Chris's analysis. And like, I'll say one thing. I don't know, you know, how to take a deep dive into scouting quarterbacks, but that dude throws an incredible deep ball, like consistently really good. Not just like hitting guys deep, hitting guys in stride with actual ball placement, 20, 30, 40 yards down the field. I got so many different ways that I want to talk about this. <laughs> First things, you I think you noticed me smirking when you were talking about the type of quarterback Kyle Shanahan likes. I was smirking because I was thinking in the back of my head, we just talked a couple episodes ago about how I'm not convinced that giving Kyle what he wants at quarterback is a good thing. His, his I don't know, track record of picking quarterbacks isn't very good. This is the guy that wanted to trade up for uh, – C.J. Beathard, when C.J. Beathard was expected to be drafted rounds later, multiple rounds later. Like, I'm not exactly convinced that Kyle should be the final say when it comes to that. That was my first initial reaction, but I will say this. If the Niners do go Mac Jones at 12, I wouldn't be up in arms about it. I would be a little disappointed, especially if Fields is on the board still and to a lesser extent, Lance. I understand Lance doesn't have as much experience, so I'm not, I'm more understanding of passing on him. But I would be a little bit disappointed. I The last point I want to take, and I think is the one that deserves more conversation, is I had been in favor of, if Mac Jones is your choice, is the guy that you want, I would trade back into the 15, 16, 17 range and then get Mac Jones. Well, if Chris Sims has Mac Jones up here above Fields and Lance and some of the other quarterbacks, it only takes one other team to believe that. So I don't think you can trade back. And I think that's the real part that kind of strikes me is if they do want Mac Jones, they can't gamble on trading back. I agree with you. Like, If you think Mac Jones is the guy, just take him. Like, you don't risk it, right? Why would you risk losing the guy that you think could lead your franchise for the next 10 years just to get one other draft pick? Like the risk is not worth it. If he, if you think he's your guy, take him. 
You will never regret that. If he ends up being your guy, you're not going to sit there and be like, man, I really wish we were able to trade that. Like, you're just going to be like, thank God we have him. And so that would be trying to get too cute if, if that were to happen. Yeah. And like I said, it takes one team. That is it. Teams can vary wildly with their draft boards, especially at the quarterback position. Like take a couple of years ago. Would any other team have taken Baker Mayfield number one? Like when when the draft prep first started, people were talking about Baker being a back of the first round draft pick. And then he kind of moved to, well, he might go in the top 15. Then he started getting talked about mm, maybe he's squeezing the top 10. And then all of a sudden Cleveland's like, hey, we're going to take him number one. Like that came out, if I remember correctly, the night before the draft. And people were like, oh, wow, they're really doing it. There were kind of rumors out there. But nobody really believed it because nobody thought Baker was better than Sam Darnold or you know, Josh Rosen, there were certain people that didn't like Josh Rosen, but he was up there with Josh Allen, but nobody thought Josh Allen would go number one because of how raw he was. So it just takes the one team to think that Mac Jones is it. And if they happen to be sitting there at 13, 14, 15, or they're willing to trade up to those spots, that would pretty much blow the entire Niners draft strategy to smithereens if they had traded back with the plan of taking Jones. Yeah, that that would just be, oh, you just don't do it. Like, you just don't, if you have a quarterback that you like, trading back is insanity. What would cause 49ers to like, so let's say the Niners do take a quarterback at 12, but they don't take Mac Jones. Wilson's gone. Lawrence is gone. What if they pass on Justin Fields for Kellen Mond? Who, look, I don't know anything about Kellen Mond, okay? I'm not going to pretend like I was watching Texas A&M. But I know that Chris is the only guy that has him as the fourth best quarterback, and I think that there might be a revolt if that were to happen. He's not just the only guy that has him as the fourth best. He's the only guy, I believe, that has him in the top five and the only guy that believes he's a first-round talent. Because Chris Sims in that podcast where he kind of talked about the list said that he believes Lance is a first round talent. He believes Fields is a first round talent. Well, that means he believes Mond is a first round talent because he has him above them. I don't think anybody else really does. Like, you know, I I haven't really been paying that close of attention to him because he's been nowhere near the top of the first round. So I can't say for sure there isn't somebody out there that believes in him as much as Sims, but yeah, that that would that would be one that really pisses me off. I would, I, I'd be willing to say that that one would probably be like, "What the hell? What don't you like about Mond?" I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on Mond either. I have heard that he doesn't. He's not a you know he's not athletic at all. He doesn't have as good of pocket awareness as a Mac Jones. That's one of the things I I saw posted towards the end of the college football season when Mon got a little bit of talk around with Mac Jones and people were saying that, you know, Mac Jones, he, look, this is a draft comparison. This isn't saying he is this quarterback, but Tom Brady is not an athletic dude. He's not fast. He's not able to scramble. But in terms of mobility, he has fantastic mobility because he's able to move in that pocket better than almost anybody in history, maybe be be the best in history to where it's really hard to sack Tom Brady because he knows just where to move, just where to sidestep you. Mac Jones kind of shows that tendency in the pocket where he knows just where to get to, to where you don't actually end up getting the sack. From what I read, and like I said, I have, I've watched very little of Mon to this point. What I read was that he doesn't really have that ability in the pocket, and at the same time, he's not athletic. 
Yeah, see, you're like me when it comes to these quarterbacks. You're not pretending to know who's better than somebody else. It's more, these are the traits I want in a quarterback. And I don't really care who gives it to me. Here are the traits I want. Here are the traits I don't want. It'll be interesting to me to see now from this point forward. Let's see as more mocks come out. Do more people start putting Mond up there? Do more people start elevating him? Because I think that there is, like everybody has a mock draft. I think there's sort of a groupthink that goes around. You know, everyone puts out their mock draft, but they're all kind of the same. Well, this is this is vastly different. So I'm going to kind of keep an eye out and see like, all right, let's see if, if people are starting to all of a sudden elevate Kellen Mond. Yeah, and maybe I will watch some of him now. I'm not a massive film watcher. I'll watch a little bit here and there. You know, if I it's basically if I have an interest in a player, I'll watch some of his games. If I don't have that interest, and generally if there's no chance of the Niners drafting him, I don't have an interest in going and watching the film. Like I, I got no problem with people being super film, you know, geeks that are at the level that we're at where we just kind of have a podcast. There are people out there that watch tons of film. That's what they do in their free time because that's what they enjoy. There's certain players that I have a big enough interest to watch. But generally, there's things, other things I would rather do with my time. So, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend and basically be participating in this group think of, well, I know a bunch of people don't have Mon that high, so I'm going to come out and say he's definitely not that good. I, I don't know. Well, you sounded really skeptical about it earlier when I read the list. I'm not going to lie. A lot of this is, where is he likely to go? Just because you think this guy is really good doesn't mean that it's worthwhile taking him that high because you could get him later. You know what I mean? That would be my issue with taking Mon that high. If you're taking him at 12, boy, there better have been another team willing to take him because the consensus is you could trade down into the 20s and still get him. Yeah, that's a dangerous game, my friend. Yeah, but this is also the scenario where somebody like Fields is still on the board. And that would be what would kind of send me over the top. Like, okay, if six quarterbacks go in the top 12 or top 11 and it's your pick, okay, maybe then. But that's not going to happen. That That's an interesting way to look at it, right? Like the Niners are at 12. Do you think that six quarterbacks are going to go in the first 11 picks? I don't. So, so one of those guys you would think will be there without the 49ers having to move up anywhere. Yeah, I think four quarterbacks are probably going to go before the Niners pick, unless the Niners trade up to be one of those four. But I think there'll be four quarterbacks taken in the top 11, and the Niners will get fifth choice if they decide to go quarterback, which they might not, because I would seriously doubt that there are five quarterbacks on their list that they're willing to take at 12. Yeah, and that's the other part of this, right? Just because there are six quarterbacks doesn't mean they're going to say, well, we got to take a quarterback, so we'll take this guy. Like, they may only have one or two or three or even four, that they say are worth it for us. And if not, if that guy's not there, well, then we move on to other positions. Um, it's going to be, I, I cannot wait for this. Like it is, so I mean, we've been talking about it for so long that I just like, I have to know. I have to know the answer. I want to be able to move on to something else. Like then we're going to get into, like, let's say they take a quarterback day one, right? Well, they have all night that night to like work on a trade deal for Jimmy Garoppolo. So like we could wake up on the Friday and all of a sudden, bam, Jimmy Garoppolo's traded. The Niners are back up in the second round. Like, you know, there are so many different things that could happen. And it's just like waiting and waiting and waiting. It's driving me nuts. You know, I, I had the thought 
this was a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think I've mentioned it to you. I had the thought that I wonder if the Niners do take a quarterback at 12, and there's somebody there at the back half of the first round that they want, if they try to use Jimmy as the chance to trade back into the first, trade Jimmy in a second-round pick to get a first-round pick, and they end up double-dipping in the first round, which they've done, I believe, twice already in this regime. So, like, that, this is what would make the the uh, draft so interesting. If the Niners do, well, even if they don't go quarterback at 12, if they don't go quarterback at 12 and one of these quarterbacks falls and is sitting there in the 20s, there's a chance the Niners might trade up. Like, this is one of those drafts that the Niner fans are probably going to have to watch all the way through. You're not going to be able to go, okay, Niners yep. made their pick. I can, I can kind of just – Maybe have it on in the background and, and kind of look up every once in a while to see how it went. The Niners could be coming back on the board at any time. It's weird. If you actually go back and look, the Niners have a weird draft history of, of trading up and getting two first-round picks. Like, they did it with, like we mentioned, uh, Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster. They did it with Kinlaw and Ayuk. Even, like, Joe Staley's year, That I think it was Joe Staley and Mike Yupati, right? They took in the same same right. year? Like it yep. is crazy if you go back and look, they they've they've gone double first round pick a few times. It's kind of interesting, and like you said, I think that's the best point that you've made tonight. Do not go to sleep after the twelfth pick or whatever pick the 49ers have, because I think you could definitely be missing out on some fireworks. You hear that doom 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 doom, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> holy crap, we've got a trade, and then it's like then then I can't go to sleep for another like two hours because the adrenaline starts pumping. Who says I wouldn't be watching the NFL Network instead of ESPNs? Wait, does NFL huh? Network? Oh, they do have a different chime. You're right. What is it for <laughs> NFL Network? I I don't remember, but I do. I do, I recognize the ESPN one, which I guess kudos to ESPN. But I will say there is one scenario where you might be safe to turn off the TV if you don't really care with the rest. Of, I'm somebody that's going to watch every pick, probably through the first three or four rounds, and then I will have it on in the background the rest of the way. But if you're not like that, if the Niners trade up, like say they get to number three, like certain people have projected, you could probably turn it off because that means they're probably giving up their second round pick and their future first, which means they don't have the ammo to trade back into the first round. Unless they package Jimmy in next year's first or something like that. I don't, I don't, I agree. It's less likely if they move up to like three. But I still wouldn't, you know, I, it depends who the player was. I don't know who the player would be that they could be like, holy crap, we have to we have to do this. But if they're trading up to three, they're getting a quarterback. And I think that would be the only position where the Niners would be under the thought of we got to get back into the first. We can't let this uh, night off happen to where everybody's trying to trade up to get a guy that they were surprised slipped to the second round, you know. I will say, let's say, for instance, that the Niners love Kellen Mond and they have it on really good authority that he's not going to go in the first round. I am fully on board with them trading back into the first round to take Kellen Mond just because you get that extra year with the fifth year option. To me, if you're going to take a quarterback, don't take him in the second round because you don't get the fifth year option. Like the Ravens traded back to the final pick, I believe it was in the first round to get Lamar Jackson. To me, that was super smart. And I hope if the Niners are going to take a quarterback, just make it a first-round pick so that you get the extra year. Yeah, and any other position, I would say, is probably not a big enough deal. But you're right. Quarterback, 
it's been talked about a lot. Having a quarterback still on a rookie deal is such a massive advantage with the salary cap. And that has become even more true in recent seasons because the quarterback salaries have exploded. I mean, they're to the point now where they take up a full 25% of the salary (laughs) cap if you're Patrick Mahomes, you know, but even the normal contracts are still sitting there at around 40 million now, which would be 20%. So that fifth year option would be nowhere near that level. So you have to value that like that, that in and of itself is probably worth a mid round pick. I do not think that teams have figured out how to construct a team around a quarterback that has signed his second contract. Like I think teams figured out really quickly, like, holy crap, if you get a good quarterback on a rookie deal, like we can build this thing up and make a run. But I don't think really that there have been a ton of teams that have figured out like, all right, how do we structure things with other guys and how, where do we prioritize our money to accommodate a quarterback that has signed a second deal? Because like you said, and I think Grant Cohn has been talking about this forever on Twitter. There's only so much of your, your cap that the quarterback can occupy if you're going to win, at least historically, that's what we've seen. The problem I think a lot of teams have is that they pay good, but not great quarterbacks mm-hmm. a lot of money because they are too scared of moving on because of what that would mean. And those are the teams that can't keep winning. But the teams that have these massive, true Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks, they keep winning. Like, they don't necessarily get back to the Super Bowl, but, you know, the Saints have an extended run with Drew Brees. Peyton Manning won multiple when he was getting paid big money. Tom Brady's kind of taken some pay cuts, but he's still been paid a large amount of money. It's it's kind of a – it's a funny thing that a lot – if you actually look at the cash Tom Brady has gotten – he didn't necessarily make as little as people think because he was constantly renegotiating and getting big signing bonuses, which pays him up front but makes the actual cap hit less. And people get stuck looking at the cap hit. But that's a whole other topic. But <laughs> I will say if you have a Hall of Fame level quarterback, yeah, you could pay him and still win because he elevates. The problem is, is people end up paying just below top market for these decent quarterbacks but not great quarterbacks. And there's just not enough money to go around when you do that. The only way you can continue and maybe win a second Super Bowl is if you get lucky and you have a ridiculously good draft where you got a bunch of really good players on rookie deals. But you can look at like Joe Flacco. Should he have been paid that massive? Well, hell Baltimore, no. Baltimore was stuck. They kind of had to with the fact they just won the Super Bowl. But everybody knew when it when it happened that that was the nail in the coffin to that team ever winning a Super Bowl again. That's what I'm talking about. Like that level of quarterback, like your teams feel compelled to pay him, but you're not going to win when you do it. I will forever argue that the Ravens should have let Joe Flacco go. To me, it was obvious. I mean, that playoff stretch, I think he threw 11 touchdowns and no picks. Like he was playing so far over his head and credit to him. Like he played great and he deserved to win the Super Bowl and all that. And good for him for getting paid. But like, I, I think if you ask the Ravens deep down in their hearts, they knew he was never going to reach that level again. But it, like you said, people would have lost their stuff if they let him go after he just led the team on this incredible playoff run. But it was dumb of them, and they should have let him go. And they were basically like a 500 team the rest of the way after he signed that deal with him. Yeah, I mean, it. it the extension he got had literally immediate repercussions. Anquan Bolden was let go immediately after that deal, or it could have been like right before. I don't remember, but it was like really quickly after 
people knew what the Flacco deal was going to be. They had to move on from Bolden. It cost them really good players that they needed to keep. Bolden came to the Niners, and I don't think it's any question he's been the best receiver since Terrell Owens on this team. Like He was still a really good player. Yeah, I would say Bolden was better than Crabtree at his one his first year with the Niners. Yeah, and they got him for like it was like a sixth round pick they traded to get him too. It was yeah. wild. You're right. It was pretty soon after the Super Bowl. It was like the consolation prize. Like, oh, you didn't win the title, but here's Anquan Bolden. Here's the now. guy that helped beat you. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I think he had at least one. I know he had at least one touchdown in that game too. Yeah, that that was kind of. I remember when that trade happened. I was a big Bolden fan. You know, going back to. Arizona, but it was just like, really? Like, I get it, but he, he just came from the team to beat us. Like, I don't want to root for him. I, I'm still recovering. I don't want to root for him yet. <laughs> yep, I totally agree. It was weird, but I got over it pretty quick because uh, he was he was a great for, – for what they gave up to get him, he was an absolute great move for the Niners, and I'll always remember him being on the other end of the jump throw from Colin Kaepernick in 2012, one of the most amazing throws I've ever seen – and it was him that caught it just real calmly in the back of the end zone. Earl Thomas tipped it. Didn't even matter. He just whoosh, snagged it and touched down city. Yeah, it should be a future Hall of Famer, Anquan Bolton. Really? Should How do be. you always do this to me right at the end of the show? You say something that I just cannot believe. Now I have to Google. Like I can't, You don't think I can't. he's a Hall of Famer? Are you kidding me? I don't know. I don't know. I have to look. He literally... He literally, I think for the first first 10 years of his career, he had the most receiving yards in the first 10 years. But he ended up having, like, he's somebody that doesn't have that many crazy good years. But, yeah, I'm looking at it now. He had, he had over 1,000 receptions. He had almost 1,400 yards. He had 82 touchdowns. 14,000. 14,000, sorry. Like, those are all really good numbers. He won the Super Bowl. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Three Pro Bowls in his career, no All Pros, never led the league in a single receiving category. Ah, uh, I don't know. To me, I don't think so. In a, in the most friendly passing era of all time, he only has one, two, three, four, five. Well, he's got more thousand yard seasons than I thought. Yeah, it's close, but I say no. He's somebody that will probably have to wait, just because the Hall of Fame is really stupid when it comes to wide receivers, unless your name is Calvin Johnson. Yeah, which makes no sense. Like that, see, that's why I can't stand that Calvin Johnson's in. I get why Calvin Johnson was put in. There's just no way in hell he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, sorry, no, you're a guy that sits and waits a while because you retired so early. Like, you know, Terrell Davis didn't get in right away, and Terrell Davis is still a questionable Hall of Famer, you know, Should to a lot of people. Like, yeah, I'm not a fan of Terrell Davis getting in or honestly, Gail Sayers or any of those guys, like staying healthy is part of the gig. You know, that there's plenty of guys out there that had really good couple years and then they had an injury, but they were able to play through the injury, but they just weren't the same. Well, hey, should they be in too? They were at least able to play through the injury. Right, you're and, better off like, not I, coming I back. That. Yeah, like I, I hate I hate that they allow that. But yeah, I mean, there are some very, very clear like, no question, Hall of Fame wide receivers that have had to wait. Like, yeah, Terrell Owens had to wait. But there are guys that had to wait a long time, like Andre Reed. I believe – I can't remember how long he had to wait. I think it was Reed. I always get Andre Reed and Andre Risen mixed up because they're around at the same time. Andre Risen's not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the two guys, they were like 
at their peak right before I really started paying attention. So I get them confused in my head. <laughs> yeah, Andre Reed, let's see, he retired in 2000. When did he go in? He took until 2014. So it took him 14 years after retirement. So he was on the ballot almost a decade before he got in. He was, he was, I think, the number two receiving receiver of all time when he retired. And then, well, he might have been three after Chris Carter and Jerry Rice. But he was he was somebody that everybody thought was a clear-cut Hall of Fame when he retired. And it took him almost a decade. Yeah, the Hall of Fame is a weird thing. I just, again, every time at the end of the pod, you say something that, like, extends us by another 15 minutes. Because I just can't believe the words came out of your mouth. That's going to do it for this edition Oh, the Gold Standard, the Jeff Wilson edition. We remind you again, please rate, review, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a comment. If you throw a question in there, great. We will answer it for you. And uh, stay tuned, people. We are just less than two weeks away from absolute bedlam. It's going to be all hell breaking loose. And we'll see how uh, Lynch and Shanahan navigate those waters. Enjoy your day. And as always, go Niners.